you can do that now. Where this fall we have been working on a sermon series that we were calling The Law of Perfect Freedom. We've been walking through the Ten Commandments and seeing how the gospel of Jesus Christ transforms the commandments into something that is beautiful and freedom-giving rather than something that is burdensome to us. If we take these commandments as standards that we must meet in order to secure the favor of God, then these commandments crush our hearts and our souls. They discourage us because they set a standard that is beyond anything that we could reach with our own efforts. But if we see them through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we see that the Lord our God has set us free from the power of sin and death, if we see that these commandments have been fulfilled through Christ, that we might receive the benefits of Christ through faith, then these words become words of freedom and joy and salvation for all of God's people. So we begin reading with Exodus chapter 20. We're going to read verses 1 through 11, but we're going to give particular attention to verses 8 through 11, the fourth commandment. This is God's word. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Turn over to James chapter 1, verse 25. James chapter 1, verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. This is God's word. Let's go to him now in prayer. Oh, Lord, our God, we ask that you would give us rest as we receive this word from your scriptures. I pray, Lord God, that you would calm our hearts and attune our ears to the voice of the Spirit speaking, for we, your servants, are listening. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. 
Has this ever happened to you? You spend all day at Pensacola Beach with your family. You're out there swimming and building sand castles and doing all kinds of stuff. You come home, it's getting a little bit late, you're getting a little bit tired, and you start to think, I don't know if we have anything in the refrigerator. I think we need to stop and get some dinner. But what should we get? Should we get burgers? Maybe we grab some pizza? Maybe, I don't know, it's like a Chinese food place along the way? And then... You see it. The crowning jewel of Gulf Breeze. The answer to all of your culinary problems. Chick-fil-A. Chicken sandwiches. Waffle fries. My personal favorite, the market salad. Soft serve ice cream. Sweet tea. Lemonade. Did you know that if you mix those together, you can have an Arnold Palmer, and it is delicious. You can thank me later, but I digress. So you think to yourself, all right, we're going, we're going to get some Chick-fil-A. Now, normally, the Chick-fil-A at Gulf Breeze is absolutely packed. Normally, when you go to that Chick-fil-A, the lines of cars for the drive-thru are all around the, the building two, three times. Normally, there's so many people who are going inside the restaurant, you got to park somewhere over in Navarre. But <laughs> for some reason, today, the Chick-fil-A is not busy at all. That can only mean one thing. God is good. (laughs) I am blessed. And I am living the abundant life that God has promised in the gospel. Because not only am I going to enjoy delicious Chick-fil-A with my family, I don't even have to wait in line. So you park the car, you walk up to the front door, and then... You see this. A sign that crushes your hopes and shatters your dreams because you know that you will not be eating the Lord's chicken because it is the Lord's day. And Chick-fil-A has been closed on Sunday since 1946. Kanye West even wrote a song about it called Closed on Sunday. And yet I always forget that they're closed on Sunday. Here's the question. Why would Chick-fil-A close their doors on Sundays? A lot of people go out to eat on Sundays. If you run the numbers, you'll see that they lose over a billion dollars in sales every single year just by being closed on Sunday. Wouldn't they be better off if they were open on Sunday? Wouldn't I be better off if they were open on Sunday? Here's the answer. They're closed on Sunday because of the fourth commandment. They're closed on Sunday because Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, was a devout Christian who didn't want to make his employees work on the Lord's Day. In a world where many of us treat the Ten Commandments as if they were the Ten Suggestions, Truett Cathy took the Fourth Commandment very, very seriously. 
Is that a good idea? Is that a bad idea? Is that an outdated idea? Given the pressure we feel in modern society to work and work and work so that we can earn and earn and earn, given the pressure that we feel as uh, suburbanites to have our kids participate in every sport and every activity, even if those activities take place on Sunday mornings, why should we devote one whole day out of seven, a day when we could be fishing or traveling or studying or emailing to rest and worship. Does God really need one whole day out of my busy week? Does he really need one whole hour every Sunday morning? And really, when you factor in drive time and Sunday school, the occasional Lord's Supper, multiple announcements, uh, the four-point sermon that sneaks in there every once in a while, it really is more like two hours. That is almost as long as Top Gun Maverick. (laughs) Not quite, but we do this every single week. This morning, we're going to talk about the fourth commandment. We're going to talk about the Christian Sabbath. We're going to talk about work and rest. We're going to talk about how God gives us the gift once a week, every week, to rest and worship and serve the world. In honor of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who called himself the Lord of the Sabbath. We're going to talk about how the Lord's Day anticipates the Messianic Age. How the Lord's Day can be and should be a little slice of heaven that we get to experience together every single week. So where do we begin? You're taking notes today. We're going to spend our time together thinking about seven principles for the Christian Sabbath. Seven things that will transform your week. Seven things that will transform your life. Seven ways that we can and should be resting in Jesus. Now, when it comes to the fourth commandment, seven things, our hearts matter, our minds matter, our work matters, our rest matters, our worship matters, our mercy matters, and finally, Jesus matters. Now, that's a long list, but this is a long commandment, the longest of the Ten Commandments. But I, so I cannot promise you that this will be the, the shortest sermon that you've ever heard in your life. But I can promise that we will get done long before Top Gun Maverick would be over. And like Tom Cruise, I do most of my own stunts. We live in a restless world. We live in a world where we are always on, where there's always something more to do, where we're always connected, where many of us are just trying to figure out what does work-life balance look like for me? Could the Sabbath be the answer? How does Jesus give us rest? Let's take a closer look. First big idea, when it comes to the fourth commandment, our hearts matter. 
Now, I think it's important to start there because when it comes to the fourth commandment, many of us, because we have legalistic hearts, want to make lists about things that we can and things that we can't do on a Sunday. And then, having made our lists of acceptable and unacceptable activities for the Lord's Day, we try to get as close to the line as possible without going over. It's like uh, Christian ethics meets the price is right. You know, it's like, how close can I get without going over? Can I go to Sunny's after church? Is it okay to miss one Sunday in order to go to the beach? Is it a sin to wash my car on Sunday? Is it a sin to check my email on Sunday? The legalists among us, and that's me sometimes too, so if you're a legalist, I'm with you, I understand. We want to get as close to the line as possible While others of us get so overwhelmed by what can I do and what can't I do and what shouldn't I be doing and what's off limits that we just kind of throw up our hands, give up, bid one dollar, and then walk away as if the fourth commandment no longer has any relevance to us at all. Well, we're not going there. Instead, we're going to focus on principles over particulars. See, the particulars have power in the short term. The particulars can allow us to modify our behavior on sort of a surface level obedience. But the principles are where the lasting changes happen. Why? Because the Sabbath principle shows us the heart of God who gave us this commandment not to enslave us, but in order to set us free. Here's the principle. That we are, by nature, because of sin, restless people. Some of us are physically tired. We're just physically exhausted. Some of us are emotionally tired, emotionally exhausted. Some of us are spiritually dry and struggling and having a a hard time with our relationship with God. King David at various times in his life struggled with all three. If you read many of the Psalms, you'll see just how restless he was. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus came not to give burdens to us, but in order to give us rest. He gave it, come to, came to give us rest from the exhausting work of having to justify ourselves, having to earn our salvation. He came, as, came to give us rest from the exhausting work of people-pleasing, of deriving our identity from things that other people might say or do or how they might evaluate us. He came to give us rest from the exhausting belief that I am responsible for other people's bad decisions. He came to give us rest and relief from the exhausting belief that I am responsible for everything that happens, that the world would fall apart without me. I think that that's what Jesus had in mind, that restlessness When he told the disciples in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
when it comes to the fourth commandment, obedience is about so much more than making a list of do's and don'ts and then grading ourselves on our performance while looking down at other people who don't quite measure up. When it comes to the fourth commandment, observing the Lord's day to the glory of God, our hearts matter. Second big idea, when it comes to the fourth commandment, our minds matter. The commandment instructs us to remember the Sabbath day. The fourth commandment isn't optional, and because the fourth commandment isn't optional, we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional about making the Lord's day a priority for ourselves and for our families. If we're not intentional about the Lord's day, if we're not intentional about rest and worship and mercy and evangelism, we'll forget. We'll forget who God is. We'll forget who we are in light of who God is. We'll forget that God is sovereign. We'll forget that God is in control. We'll forget that God loves us. We'll forget that God will always take care of us. We'll forget that people matter to God. We'll forget that there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. A world where sickness, sorrow, pain, and death are felt and feared no more. In a world where all of us have a tendency to believe that the world revolves around me, the fourth commandment is a reminder that the world revolves around God. God's word, God's people, and God's kingdom. When we practice the Christian Sabbath, we are reminded that we're part of something so much bigger and so much better than anything that this world has to offer. If we isolate ourselves, if we treat the Lord's day as if, if it was any other day, we forget. But together, as the church, as God's people, we remember the Sabbath day. Third big idea, when it comes to the fourth commandment, our work matters. Verse 9, six days you shall labor and do all your work. The fourth commandment is primarily about resting from our work, but in the first part of the commandment, God actually commands us as his people to work. If you are the type of person who worships the twin idols of comfort and convenience, if you are the type of person who wakes up at the crack of noon, if you are the type of person who has a hard time keeping a job because it interferes with your me time, if you are the type of person who believes that Margaritaville is more of a, of a lifestyle than a song, then the fourth commandment is a reminder that we work hard and then rest because we're created in the image of God who worked hard and then rested from his labors. Hard work is a good thing. Hard work isn't a curse, Hard work isn't part of the fall. Hard work isn't something to be dreaded or avoided. When we work hard to the glory of God, we find our true selves because we are made in the image of God 
who worked with creativity and passion and energy to create this beautiful world in which we all live. One of the greatest insights of the Protestant Reformation is that you do not need to be a pastor or a missionary or a full-time Christian worker to be doing work that glorifies God. You can be a blue-collar person who honors God with your labor. You could be a white-collar person who honors God with your work. Your work can look like ditch-digging or filmmaking or test-taking or diaper-changing. Whatever it is that God is calling you to do, work hard to the glory of God. This week I was watching a video on YouTube. Don't ask me how I was recommended this video. But it was a video about ants. So these guys who were archaeologists, apparently from England, it didn't really say, but they had a little bit of an accent. You could tell they weren't from Atmore. Uh, they decided to fill this giant ant hill with 10 tons of cement. That's how much it took to fill this anthill, 10 tons of cement. Then once the cement dried, they did their archaeology work, they dug around the cement, and they discovered this whole ant city underground, filled with tunnels and living spaces and all these amazing things that these ants had created through their hard work. It really was remarkable. And as I wondered and was amazed at these creatures and what God had enabled them to do, of course, my mind went to Proverbs chapter 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. What we do on the Sabbath day matters. But what we do on the other six days of the week matters also. Don't be a sluggard. Don't be a couch potato. Work. And then rest to the glory of God. Here's our fourth big idea. When it comes to the fourth commandment, our rest matters. So not only does our work matter, our rest matters. Verse 10, But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. In a world where every other movie is a superhero movie, the fourth commandment reminds us that we are not superheroes. We are fallen, finite human beings. We simply cannot do it all. We do have limits. It's good to work, but it's also good to rest. Taking a weekly Sabbath or an occasional sabbatical, same root word, is important. It helps prevent burnout. Sabbath promotes mental health and emotional health and health and physical health. In other words, if we keep burning the candle at both ends, eventually we run out of candle. And then we drop the candle and the whole house burns down, and it's a giant mess because we simply refused to rest and receive the rest that God has given us in the fourth commandment. 
Now, most of you know the elders gave me a six-week sabbatical this summer. Again, that comes from the same root word, Sabbath, sabbatical. It was great. I was so grateful for that gift. It gave me the opportunity to step away, to sort of physically rest, to kind of make sure I was taking care of my health. Gave me the opportunity to sort of emotionally rest from the hardships of pastoring during the whole COVID time, which was a very tense time to be a pastor. It gave me a chance to regroup spiritually. I read the Bible. I prayed. I was reading books about prayer and and life with God and walking with God. It was incredible. I came away with the reminder that while God can and does use me, and God can and will use you, it's not all up to me. It's up to God. He is sovereign. He is in control. And when we rest, physically rest from our work, we are doing something revolutionary by proclaiming that it is God who is the king. We dethrone ourselves and crown him with many crowns, acknowledging that he is in control. We all need rest, and God has given us just one day a week to take a break from the busyness and burdens of everyday life. So let me encourage you to take a nap today. Would you go walk your dogs? Would you turn off the TV? Would you stop checking your texts and email Trust that God will still be God tomorrow. Even if the laundry is not folded, and even if there's one more little thing that you could do for that project at work, the fourth commandment is a weekly reminder that rest matters to God because God is sovereign. He's in control. Fifth big idea, when it comes to the fourth commandment, our worship matters. Verse 10 But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. We don't just Sabbath to our own benefit, though we do. We Sabbath to the glory of God. In verse 11, God says that the Sabbath is holy, that is set apart for God's use. In Leviticus 19, God says that you shall keep my Sabbaths. The Sabbaths are Sabbaths belonging to the Lord. Thomas Watson, who was an English Puritan and lived in around the 1600s, described it like this. This day, the Lord's day, a Christian is in the altitudes. He walks with God and takes, as, as it were, a turn with him in heaven. The heart, which all the week was frozen on the Sabbath, melts with the word on the sabbath day we rehearse the music of heaven on the sabbath day we learn to speak in the language of heaven on the sabbath day we begin to experience the fellowship of the saints the communion of saints which we will enjoy forever and ever in glory in heaven On the Sabbath day, we experience the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, as we celebrate the good news that Jesus is our king and that we have forgiveness and grace through his blood shed for us on the cross. 
The Lord's Day is about worship. It's a day when we draw near to God, anticipating the new heavens and the new earth, the final Sabbath rest, which awaits the people of God. Sixth big idea, when it comes to the fourth commandment, our service matters. Verse 10, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall, do, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner within your gates. Not only do we receive rest on the Lord's day, God calls us to give rest on the Lord's day. We give rest to our children, to our employees, to our animals, even the stranger within our gates, a.k.a. your brother-in-law. We love him. Uh, he's a little bit strange. Sometimes he stays a couple days longer than he should, but give him rest. The Sabbath is a day for mercy. The Sabbath is a day for service, for healing, for restoration, for peace. It's a day when broken lives are made whole again by the power of God's grace. If you read the Gospels, you'll see that one of the things that Jesus was always disputing about when it came to the religious leaders was his activities on the Sabbath day, particularly his activities of proclaiming the forgiveness of sins and of healing people on the Lord's day. The Pharisees, who were big-time list makers of what you could and could not do on the Sabbath, said, Oh no, Jesus, this is wrong. You are working, and that is a violation of the Sabbath day. But Jesus would come back to them and say, No, no, this is what the Sabbath day is. Not only am I resting, I am giving rest to people who are broken and hurting and burdened and worried. That's what the Sabbath day is is for what a blessing that for one day a week we can focus on giving ourselves away in the name of jesus who gave himself away for us when he died on the cross the fourth commandment reminds us that mercy matters the sabbath is a gift that god gives us so that we can give it to other people Seventh big idea, last one. When it comes to the fourth commandment, Jesus matters. The Christian Sabbath, the Lord's Day, is a weekly reminder of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the, that's why in the earliest days, the earliest Christians referred to the Christian Sabbath as the Lord's Day, as the day belonging to and celebrating Jesus. It's why they changed the Sabbath day from the seventh day of the week, the Jewish Sabbath, to the first day of the week, which was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. The earliest Christians understood that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. They understood that the Sabbath is all about him. The Sabbath is a weekly reminder that we can rest in Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. Which means that there is nothing more that we can do, nor is there anything else that we must do in order to earn the love 
of God. That is such good religion, such good news, because in every other religion, every other faith, whether it is officially recognized or whether it is the legalistic faith that we construct in our own hearts, we first work in order that we might rest. We first obey in order that we might receive God's blessing. Who is it that gets to enter the rest of God? It is those who have exhausted themselves in moral performance. The gospel says something the exact opposite. The gospel says rest comes first because grace comes first. The gospel says that Jesus has done everything that we could not do and that if we receive that those good works on our behalf, then we as God's people might enter into that rest by grace through faith in him. Every time we celebrate the Lord's day together, we are reminded that we work, that we serve, that we love, that we give because Jesus has loved us first. Because Jesus has given us rest. We worship because Jesus has given us grace. My question for you is, are you resting in Jesus? Are you observing the Sabbath day? Are you receiving that gift, that gift of rest that only God can give? If you are weary, if you are burdened, if you are anxious, let me encourage you to receive this gift, to go to God and say, Lord, you have given me everything that I need for this life and the life to come. And so I let go of the wheel. I release my grip on my life and my world. And I open my hands so that I might give you my burdens and receive your grace. That gift, the gift of rest, and ultimately the gift of salvation is a gift that only God can give. But it's also a gift that he did give through Jesus. Let's go to him now in prayer. O Lord our God, we are resting in what you have done for us. We confess our autonomy. We confess our restlessness. We confess the false belief that everything depends on us. Lord, forgive us for that arrogance. Forgive us for that, in a sense, blasphemy. For essentially living and believing as if we were gods and goddesses of our own little world. Please, Lord God, shatter that false sense of duty and obligation. And may we run in the path of your commandments, knowing that you, Lord Jesus, have set us free. Hear our prayer and forgive our sins. Impress upon our hearts the reality of the gospel by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.